Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we've come to another change in the seasons today. You'll notice that the pyramids are green after we have uh, come from uh, the Epiphany season and the, and the white that we had with Transfiguration Sunday this last Sunday. We actually retain the green even though we're kind of in an in-between place, if you will, or uh, rather what we'll call a pre-Lent season. Today is Septuagesima Sunday, and that strange-sounding word is a Latin-based word that tells us we're about 70 days from Easter. So we begin our account now, according to the historical lectionary, that uh, schedule of readings that the church has been using for, uh, well, hundreds and hundreds of years, nigh on more than, uh, more than 1,500. Uh, so we continue in that practice. And what the season of pre-Lent does is it actually prepares us to go into Lent, because Lent is itself a 40-day journey, and if you're going to make a 40-day journey, well, then you should probably be prepared for that. Uh, and so Lent, uh, pre-Lent does just that. It prepares us for that journey. Now, you'll notice on the bulletins uh, for this in the next two weeks, there's a, a little uh, runner along the bottom there, and it gives you the three themes that we have for these weeks, grace alone, scripture alone, faith alone. So today's focus is grace alone. And for a little bit more on Septuagesima Sunday, you can see the uh, inside of your bulletin cover there. It's got more information about it. But since you've got your bulletin in hands, I'm going to actually ask you to turn over to the back to that cover where you have a section of Luther's small catechism there. have been following our midweek school students through their memory work throughout the course of the school year. We're going to continue to do that today. So we'll continue then with the seventh petition of the Lord's Prayer. What is the seventh petition of the Lord's Prayer? But deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition, in summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself. Well, I'll ask you then to turn to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin where we have that focused on Christ section. That's a summary of our readings for today's service. The people of Israel contended with the Lord in the wilderness. They were dissatisfied with his provision. In the same way, the first laborers in the vineyard complained against the landowner for the wage he provided them. They charged him with being unfair, but in reality, he was being generous. For the Lord does not wish to deal with us on the basis of what we deserve, but on the basis of his abounding grace in Christ. The first, those who rely on their own merits, will be last, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. But the last, those who rely on Christ, will be first. For Christ is the rock. He is the one who was struck and from whose side blood and water flowed that we may be cleansed of our sin. And it is that blood and also his very body that we consume in the supper when it is that he calls us to his table. And as part of that, he calls us to receive his body and blood, which he gives to us in and under bread and wine, in unity. That is, in unity of confession. Not just concerning the supper, but the whole of what it is that we believe, teach, and confess as Christians. Therefore, those joining us at the Lord's table this day, we ask, be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining us in that one orthodox confession of the Christian faith. 
If you are not a member of our congregation or a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we do ask you to refrain from receiving the Lord's Supper this day. You may still come forward for a blessing, and the way that you could signify that to me is by crossing your hands over your chest like this, and then I will give you uh, a blessing then today instead of the Lord's Supper, should you uh, desire that. Our service setting is Divine Service Setting 4, as it begins on page 203. One more little brief change here. As we've entered the pre-Lent season, you'll notice we do not sing the Gloria and Excelsis. That's the same as it is in Advent. Uh, but we also then don't have our Alleluias. We said farewell to those last Sunday, but we have in its place a verse. So uh, the verse functions kind of like a second gradual. So we chant the gradual after the Old Testament reading. And then now we will chant the verse after the epistle reading. So please note that it's the same tone uh, that we have for the others there in the bulletin. But I wanted to make you aware of that. So at this time, we'll now sing our first hymn. O Lord, graciously hear the prayers of your people, that we who justly thus suffer the consequence of our sin may be mercifully delivered by your goodness to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for Septuagesima is from Exodus chapter 17. All the congregation of the, whole people, of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapters 9 and 10. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. 
Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyards too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and rests in him unceasing. By its fruits, true faith is known with love and hope increasing. For faith alone can justify, works serve our neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. Amen and amen. That's good to keep in mind for today. Today we begin pre-Lent, Septuagesima Sunday. That Latin term, Septuagesima, as I mentioned earlier, means that we are about 70 days from Easter. But why start counting now? Don't we already count down to Easter through the 40 days of Lent? Well, yes, we do. But pre-Lent prepares us for that journey. Think about it like this. If you were to take a six-week long trip, would you plan and prepare for it? Or would you just grab your wallet, a jacket, and a snack, tie on your hiking shoes, and then just hit the road and hope for the best? Well, when taking that long of a trip, it's wise to make plans and preparations. And Lent is a 40-day journey to the cross. It's a time of teaching, of fasting, of contemplation, repentant contemplation. It's important to note that the focus is on Jesus, what he has done, what he has said, what he gives. Remember last week the Father telling us to listen to him, to hear him. The yearly journey to Palm Sunday, the upper room, Jesus' trial before Caiaphas and Pilate, and ultimately to Golgotha, is a journey that should be taken intentionally and thoughtfully. These three Sundays of pre-Lent, also called Jesimatide, they prepare us for that journey. So I'll ask you, are you ready? Because let's get packing. Now, when packing for a big trip like Lent, you don't want to bring anything that you don't need Today's readings and the theme point out something we need and something we don't. What we need above all things is God's grace in Christ. What we don't need is grumbling and complaining. Why is grumbling such a bad item to pack on the journey to Christ's cross and his empty tomb? Well, grumbling can be deadly. You heard me right. 
grumbling against God and how he chooses to save you and all repentant sinners can be spiritually deadly. You see, grumbling against God can lead to unbelief and all-out rejection of God and his grace. And our three readings today make this clear. So we'll take them up one at a time, beginning with the Old Testament. Now here's the context. In Exodus 17, all the congregation of Israel was on the move. Now bear in mind, we're talking about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. We get that number from Exodus 12. That means taking everyone to account, you're talking about more than 2 million people, and that doesn't even begin to include the livestock that they would have had with them. The congregation of Israel was massive. So moving that many people through the wilderness requires equally massive provisions. In previous chapters of Exodus, God had already made bitter water sweet for the people and began providing them with manna and quail on the way to the promised land. Nevertheless, Despite all God had done to bring his chosen people out of Egypt, remember the plagues, through the Red Sea, they still did not trust him. From today's lesson, we heard this. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Grumbling. Distrust of God. Unbelief. That is what we see here. The people blame both Moses and God for their thirst, claiming that God brought them out of Egypt just so he could kill them of thirst in the desert. So what does Moses do? Well, he does what any pastor would do. He prays to God for help. So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink." Now, God's solution was to bring water to his people in a way which only God could do from solid rock. According to the Lord's instruction, Moses takes some of Israel's elders with him, perhaps for up-close eyewitnesses, and we are told Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us? Or not. Folks, God's grace to his people is astounding. I mean, think about it. Here they are grumbling and complaining that Moses and the Lord himself are out to kill them of thirst, and God graciously provides enough water for the whole congregation. Keep in mind that number again for everyone to get their fill. And God brought it forth from a rock in the desert. From Isaiah 35, we hear, For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. No doubt this messianic prophecy also has in mind this very event from Israel's history, when water gushed forth in quantities great enough to satisfy the vast congregation of grumbling, unbelieving Israelites. God is indeed gracious to his people. As it was for Israel then, so it is with God's spiritual Israel, the church, today. We deserve nothing of what he gives us. 
And yet in Christ, we receive God's overflowing and superabundant grace and forgiveness. The rock was struck in his side, and blood and water poured forth for our salvation. But let's continue on through the readings. Just a moment ago, I said that grumbling against God and his grace can be deadly, spiritually damning. In the epistles, St. Paul reveals this truth to us with startling clarity. Now, it's divided into two parts. The first part of the reading, he talks about spiritual discipline, another thing that is necessary for the Christian life and certainly necessary for us to pack on our journey through Lent. And then in the second part of the reading, St. Paul focuses on those grumbling Israelites that we heard about in Exodus 17. So the first part, St. Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Think eternal. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. St. Paul is talking about our lives as Christians. God has made us his children by grace. In other words, he has done everything that is necessary for our forgiveness and salvation. When Christ Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he meant it. That was his kingly decree, even as the titleist gives him his, his name, king of the Jews. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and salvation from the devil are all God's free gifts to you. One on the cross, given to you in his word and sacraments, we sang and confessed these truths in the sermon hymn. Now, why do I remind you of all this? Well, folks, in case you haven't noticed, we're not in heaven yet. There are many temptations and snares on the way to eternal paradise. The devil cannot snatch you out of your heavenly Father's hand, but the devil can, and he does, tempt your sinful flesh. So St. Paul talks about disciplining the flesh. In fact, St. Paul talks about literally beating his body into submission to obey God's word. That's what it says in the Greek. Now, to be clear, God does not want you to hurt yourself in any way, okay? Let's be clear about that. But we are taught to control ourselves, and God even helps us to do this. You see, as baptized Christians, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Your body has been made a temple of the Holy Spirit. That happened at your baptism. He helps you in your weakness. That's God's promise. Self-discipline, self-control is what is behind the practice of fasting, something which Jesus says, by the way, when you fast, not if. Now, fasting during Lent or any time is an act of self-control. It's a way to discipline your body to keep it under control so that you don't obey every cry and groan of your belly. Remember, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the context of that is when he's duking it out with the devil in the wilderness, when he's starving. As sinners, your grumbling flesh cries out all the time. I know mine does. Food and drink, even adult beverages, these are all gifts from God. However, there can be too much of a good thing. And when you don't control your flesh and you give in to every grumble and cry from your flesh, that can lead to physically and spiritually unhealthy habits, hence St. Paul's warning. Now, let's get back to those grumbling Israelites. These things are tied together, by the way. In the second part of the epistle, St. Paul says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, 
God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Here's what St. Paul's getting at. He says to us, don't be deceived, Christians. God's Old Testament people, your spiritual forefathers, received and partook of God's grace in the wilderness. They heard God's word. They received his gifts. They were baptized. They ate God's spiritual food and drank God's spiritual drink. And what happened to them? Most of them God rejected because they did not have faith. They were just going through the motions. They did not fear, love, and trust in God. They were a bunch of grumbling, ungrateful unbelievers. Dear saints in Christ, don't be like them. That is St. Paul's warning to us, to you, his church. God is gracious and merciful to us poor, miserable sinners. And we ought to remember daily God's promises in holy baptism. We ought to repent of our grumbling, our complacency, and our many other sins and trust in what he has done for each and every one of us in Christ our Savior. He has given us himself completely. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, he has borne our grumbling, our complaining, and our unbelief to the cross where it was crucified in his flesh for our forgiveness and our salvation. Such is the love of God for you, dear saints. God the Son shed his blood, died, and rose for you so that you would not be separated from him by sin, but instead would be cleansed, forgiven, redeemed, and clothed with his perfect righteousness. All of this is God's grace to you in Christ. God's riches at Christ's expense. God be praised. Now let's take up that gospel lesson. You see, of all three scripture readings before us today, the gospel really brings home these two teachings of God's grace and the danger of grumbling against God. In the Christian life and on the journey to Lent, there is simply no room for grumbling against what God has done for you, his saints. So let's sharpen our ears again and listen to God's beloved Son. To his twelve disciples and to you, his church, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's about a day's wages, by the way, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Now, you have to understand, the kingdom of God is God's reign. Jesus is talking about his kingdom and how he rules it. Dear saints, you are in God's kingdom by grace. And there's nothing that you could have done or could do to earn it. It's it's Christ's gift to you. He has chosen you. Now, you were adopted as his children in baptism. Therefore, this parable is about you. Now, in the parable, the master of the house is God. The The whole history of the world is summarized as a single day. And over the course of the day, the master calls people to labor in his vineyard, the church. Now, notice that all through the day, the master calls laborers into his vineyard. From the beginning of the day to the last possible hour, the master is calling people to labor in his vineyard. So it is with Christ and his church. By grace, God the Holy Spirit is calling sinners by the gospel, day in, day out, until time has ended and Jesus returns in glory. 
Now, when Jesus returns, he will hand out his denarius, his eternal reward, which we have done nothing to earn. Now, listen to the rest of the parable. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. It's not fair, is it? Those who labored all day received the same as those who were called at the last second and didn't even break a sweat. That's the point. You see, dear sinners, none of us are worthy of God's kingdom, his vineyard. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. As sinners, we deserve eternal death and hell. But God in his grace called us by the gospel. You go into my vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. The call rang out to us. Come unto me. To each of you in baptism, he said, I've called you by name. You are mine. To echo the Father's words last week, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, with whom I am well pleased. So then, we should not grumble as the ungrateful laborers did in the parable. According to God's grace in Christ, some of us will have lived our entire earthly lives as God's baptized children, right? God be praised. We will have grown up in God's word and his church every day, received the spiritual food and drink of Christ's body and blood countless times, and served our neighbors in God's kingdom all our lives before he brings us home to himself to heaven. Still others will be like the thief on the cross, never having done a thing in life that looked or sounded remotely Christian, And then at the last moment, the Holy Spirit calls them to faith through the hearing of the gospel, and they're welcomed home to heaven, receiving the same spiritual reward as you. It's not fair. It's God's grace. And that's the point. As the master of the vineyard said in his parable, I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Folks, it's God's church. It is God's grace in Christ. You are a recipient of his overflowing and superabounding love and grace in Christ. The spiritual rock that was struck, blood and water from his side, his word and sacraments for you. All thanks and praise be to God. Therefore, dear saints, dear laborers in Christ's vineyard, because that's what you are in this parable, resist the urge to grumble. Grumbling against God's grace has no place in our lives. And folks, we don't want to pack it in our bags on our journey through Lent either. After all, we have something much better, someone so much better to focus on, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so on the Septuagesima Sunday, Jesus, he comes to you, giving you all that you need for the journey through Lent and his promised land of paradise. His word, his absolution, his body and his blood, which are true food and true drink indeed. Therefore rejoice and rest. In Christ Jesus, rest in his grace, for his yoke is easy, his burden is light, his provision and word and sacrament forgives you, enlivens you, strengthens you, and he will lead you home. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the Holy Church, that all who have been called into our Father's vineyard would recognize their unworthiness for such a gracious gift, rejoice in the salvation they have in Christ, and remain steadfast in the word. Let us pray to the Lord. For the Church of God, built on Christ and ordered according to His will, that her pastors may know His holy word thoroughly, and her people wait patiently on His heavenly provision. Let us pray to the Lord. For our congregation, that we would love one another as Christ has loved us, give generously in support of his mission here and abroad, pray for our enemies, put away all earthly grumbling, and bask in the gracious providence of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the home, that God would work graciously through the teaching and example of fathers and mothers to preserve the faith of children and help them grow in Christ until life's end. Let us pray to the Lord. For the civil authorities whom God has established on earth to be a blessing, not a burden, that he would enable them to serve with wisdom and with integrity, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the unemployed and the underemployed, especially those suffering serious financial distress, that God would lead them to productive work and continue to provide for their earthly needs, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the sick, the suffering, the homebound and recovering, especially Earl Brand, John Mischlick, Pauline Plackmeyer, Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that God would comfort them with his divine promises and grant healing according to his will. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord that he who has made our way blameless and in his word equipped us for the labor of our callings may now satisfy our hunger and thirst in his precious sacrament. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Hear us, Heavenly Father, for the sake of Christ Jesus, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, again, good morning and welcome to you on this uh, Septuagesima Sunday as we begin our pre-Lent season. Just a look ahead in the calendar, of course, uh, Sunday school and Bible study following worship. Adults will continue our way through Matthew's Gospel. Uh, this Tuesday, Trinity Classical Classroom, beginning at 9 a.m. Uh, this Wednesday, midweek at 3.30, uh, followed then by a workout class in the auditorium at 6 and choir practice. Please note that choir practice at 7. And then uh, this Thursday, we do have our church council meeting. So again, just a reminder that uh, choir practice will begin this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. They'll be beginning their preparations for uh, Good Friday and the Easter season then. Um, well, really... All of Lent, right? And <laughs> all of Lent in the Easter season. Uh, just a note here, there are some used high chairs available. You probably noticed uh, we had a gracious uh, addition, um, uh, some donated uh, high chairs there that are in the auditorium now. And so that leaves our, our good old faithful stalwart high chairs that are still there, still functional. Uh, if you would like to uh, take one of those or if you know someone who would be in need of it, uh, please contact Bonnie Rodenberg. She'd be happy to make that connection for you. Also, looking ahead, uh, which is really only just a few weeks away, it's coming up very quickly, um, Ash Wednesday, so February 14th is Ash Wednesday, and this will mark the official beginning to the season of Lent, so we'll have the imposition of ashes and uh, the divine service with Holy Communion at 545, and so that 545 time is just to get us back into the motion of our midweek services, which will then follow after that, uh, so please note that on uh, Ash Wednesday, and then also... Um, 
care package donations. Uh, please see Jim and Patty, Patty Cheney. Uh, they're putting together a frequent care packages for Heath, so if you'd like to donate towards that, please talk to them. Be happy to get that arranged. Is that correct? Yes, all right, wonderful. Um, okay, anything that I may have missed? Nothing? Okay, well, uh, go in God's peace as a recipient of his grace, rejoicing in all the good gifts we have in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. I'll greet you at the door.